Now, last week, we started a brand new message series. By the way, if you did not get a chance to see that uh, when we did it, uh, stream that online, and you can go back, and uh, it's archived. You can go back and see that on demand. But in week one, we went to the Old Testament and looked at 1 Kings chapter 17, A Miracle in the Life of Elijah. We're calling this series, as you well know, More Than a Story, Real People and Real Miracles. Now, today... Uh, we're going to go into the New Testament, and we're going to look at a miracle that occurred in a man's life. He was, he was blind, and Jesus is going to bring healing to him. This is in Mark chapter 8. But before we get to that, I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about it for just a couple of moments. Do you ever have times in your life when it seems that you cannot see clearly? You look at a situation and, and, and you don't see how that things could change for the better. It's just like, hey, it's this way. It's been that, this way for a long time. I, I don't see it ever being able to change. You don't see how it could change. Or you don't see how you're going to make it through this challenge. You may be like, Jeff, I've faced a lot of challenges in my life, but never one like this. This one is just looming so largely in my life. I don't see how I'm going to be able to come out on the other side of this and have my wits about me. And so you can't see clearly at this particular particular time. Or, or maybe you don't see any hope for the future. And you're like, you know, at one point in my life, I was so filled with hope and optimism, but that's not true anymore. And when you think about the future of your life, maybe you're not hopeful, or maybe you don't see how things could become better in your life, in any area of your life. But here's what I want you to understand. God does not want you to live your life with hopelessness. See, when you can't see clearly, and you're like, I don't know how I'm ever going to come through this, or I don't see how things are going to get better, or I don't know how things will ever change, I don't know what the future is going to be, it's probably going to be dismal. Well, then when you start thinking that way, well, then the reality is hopelessness begins to seep in and begins to grow in your life. And God does not want that to be so. God wants to give you hope. God wants to give you encouragement. And I believe if you will hang in here with me for the next few moments as we look into the Bible, by the time we get to the end, you're going to have some hope infused in your life. That is my prayer. I pray that for you. I trust that that will be a reality for your life. So here's our first couple of verses for today. Um, This is Matthew 6. We're going in a moment, Mark 8. But this sort of sets the tone for what we're going to talk about. Jesus said, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And I hope you'll go back to those two verses and look at them a little more thoroughly later. Well, what is Jesus actually saying here? He's talking about the eye, but it's actually much bigger than physical sight. You may say, well, this is just about eye and being able to see clearly. But fundamentally here, Jesus is, is talking about our spiritual vision, seeing with spiritual eyes. It's like seeing our life and the things in and around our life and the people in and around our life, seeing it with a God-like perspective. See, you and I have a choice. I want you to think about this before we go any further. Think about this. You and I can either see things from God's point of view or we can see it from our point of view. I think you know what is the recommended choice, but we do get to choose. You can see your life, your way or God's way. You can see things around your life, your way or God's way. You can see people even your way or God's way. 
Now, before we land on this week's miracle, again, it's a blind guy in Mark chapter 8, but just before we get there, I want you to take a look with me here in just a moment at several verses that lead up to the actual miracle. And I'll tell you a little bit of what's going on in the background. By this time, by the time we reach Mark chapter 8, Jesus has already grown in popularity. I mean, people are wanting to see him. People are wanting to hear his teaching. People are wanting to see his miracles. He has a large following by now, and he's performed not all the miracles, obviously, that he will perform, but he has performed a number of miracles. A prominent among those is the time that Jesus fed the 5,000. And then in a separate event, Jesus feeds 4,000 people. So these things are already occurring. Again, people are following Jesus in droves. Uh, He's become very popular at this point, and there's a group of people, I'm not going to get into them, but you've read about them and probably have heard a little bit about them, and that uh, that would be the Pharisees. And and the Pharisees, maybe not in all of them, maybe not all of them in totality, but a good portion of the Pharisees, they are really jealous of Jesus. They just simply are. And a lot of them, they actually hate Jesus. They despise him. And many of them from time to time would try to either themselves or they would, you know, coax somebody else into doing so, try to trap Jesus in in doctrinal questions and and theological questions and religious questions. And so uh, Jesus has just been in some more dialogue with the Pharisees, but we pick up the story at verse 13. Look at these verses with me, several verses, and I want you to get down the reference later. You can go back and read them a little slower. I'm going to move through them quickly. Then Jesus left the Pharisees. Remember, he's just had this conversation with them, and he went in the boat to the other side of the lake. His followers had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. They had forgotten to bring more. Jesus warned them. Look at this phrase. Be careful. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. Look at this next part. His followers discussed the meaning of this, saying, He said this because we have no bread. That's what they think. They don't see clearly. They think Jesus is talking about bread, but Jesus actually has something else in mind. Knowing what they were talking about, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about not having bread? Do you still, look at this, this is important. Do you still not see or understand? Are your minds closed? You have eyes, but you don't really see. Look at this next portion here. You have ears, but you don't really listen. Remember when I divided, and he points back to this miracle. Remember when I divided uh, five loaves of bread for the 5,000? You remember that? How many baskets did you fill with leftover pieces of food? They answered 12. Next portion. And when I divided seven loaves of bread for the 4,000, how many baskets did you fill with leftover pieces of food? They answered, seven. Then Jesus said to them, look at this. Don't you understand yet? I mean, can't you see what's happening here? Now, what's the meaning behind this conversation? And it is this, and for time's sake, I'll just mention it. I wish I had more time to expand upon it, but I need to keep us moving. But really what he's playing out here is Jesus is emphasizing a reality that it's possible, entirely possible to memorize details and even to be able to give the right answers and still not be able to see, still not be able to understand. Jesus, Jesus, they're like, hey, you know, Jesus is talking about the yeast of the Pharisees. And they're like, it must be because we haven't brought enough bread. We've only brought a little bit of bread. And Jesus is like, guys, you're just missing it. Can't you see? Don't you really see 
what's happening here. Now I want you to stop right where you're at for just a moment and using a notepad or your tablet, whatever, you're going to make a couple of notes. I want you to write down a couple of truths here before we move on. This is a little intersection, and I want you to write this down. Miracles, number one, miracles often have a message within them. Let me say that again because I don't want you to miss it. Miracles often have a message within them. Miracles are fantastic, and all of us would agree on that. But Jesus oftentimes, when he would perform a miracle, there was something that he was wanting to teach. There was something that he was wanting to actually reveal in the miracle. So miracles always seem to have a message in it. Secondly, I want you to keep this uh, in mind now. I want you to get it down somewhere. Blindness is often a metaphor of a closed mind. Blindness is often a metaphor for a closed mind. Jesus is like, don't you understand? Can't you see? I'm not really talking about literal bread. There's something bigger at stake here. Uh, Jesus would often uh, use these statements, and you can check it out sometimes when you're reading through the Gospels. Jesus would make reference to blind leaders or to blind guides, to people that were spiritually blind. What was he talking about? He was talking about people that had a closed mind. Now, I want to go back to this idea that I mentioned earlier, and that is when you and I are not seeing things clearly, then often we lose hope. When you and I fail to have a clear vision, maybe we see our life, circumstances, people around our life from our vantage point and not God's. When you and I do not have clear vision, then a lot of times we lose hope. And maybe you've lost hope in some segment of your life. Maybe you've lost hope in your career. You're like, you know what? I'm stuck here. I'm not going to be able to go any further than this. This is how it's going to be. Things have not gone well for me. I've been passed over. I thought the job was going to be my job, or I thought I would have progressed further in my career by now, but I'm not. I've not been nearly as successful as I had one time thought that I would be. And, and when you don't have clear vision, it's easy to lose hope in your career. Or you may lose hope in the direction of your children's life. You may say, well, they're acting out this way now. Therefore, they're on a path that is only going to get worse and worse over time. Or you may lose hope in your marriage. You may say, well, you know, my marriage is not healthier. We've got these challenges. We've got these problems. It's always going to be this way. Maybe you've even become a little more fatalistic in your thinking and you're like, well, hey, it's not only going to be this way in my marriage, it's probably going to get worse over time. Or you may have, uh, you know, misguided vision about your finances or your health. Please listen. God does not. I said it earlier, but I want to come back to this. God does not want us to lose hope. See, when you and I see with his eyes instead of our eyes, you begin to understand that the important things in your life can be different. In fact, they can be better. And let me say that again because it's really important, and I don't want you to miss it. When you and I begin to see things from, uh, you know, God's vantage point, God's view, rather than through our own eyesight, and we start to realize, we begin to understand that the important things in our life can be different. We see it God's way. And God says it can be different. Not only can it be different, it can actually be better. God does not want you to lose hope. And I don't want you to lose hope. Look at this verse with me. This is in Ephesians uh, chapter 1 and verse 18, just the A part. Um, Paul is writing, he said, I ask that your minds may be open to see. We're back to eyes, the vision. That your mind, I don't want you to have a closed mind. But your eyes may be open to see his light so that you will know what is the hope 
to which he has called you. When you and I see with God's vision, when you and I have spiritual eyes that we see things from God's vantage point, then we're able to have our hope restored. So if you're looking at things in your life right now that has you incredibly discouraged, chances are, in fact, I would say it's a high probability that you're seeing it from your viewpoint. What I'm praying will happen today is you'll begin to see it from God's viewpoint. And that will be a restoration of your hope. You'll say, hey, this is not impossible. Hey, this in my life can change. Hey, this uh, part of my life can become better than what it is right now. So I just wanted to mention that to you. Now, we arrive at the miracle, and I'm going to take you back to Mark chapter 8. And I want you to look at a couple of verses here. This is the miracle. We're coming now to the miracle. Everything has led us to this point. Jesus and his followers came to Bethsaida. There are some people, and we'll come back to this, there are some people brought a blind man to Jesus. This is a miracle that's about to play out. Brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch the man. So Jesus took the blind man's hand and led him out of the village. Wow, this is so packed with such great truth for us right here. This is such an amazing event, an amazing miracle that's about to occur. But if you fly through it too quickly, you can easily miss what is, what is just so packed into these two verses. In fact, can we hit pause again, do a timeout? You got your notepad handy? You got your tablet? I want to give you three, three crucial principles right here that, that you cannot afford to miss. Right out of these two verses. Uh, three things I want you to write down right, right here. Number one, Miracles happen when somebody cares. Miracles happen when somebody cares. You saw the phrase a moment ago on the screen. Some people brought a blind man. See, this blind man could not have come to Jesus on his own. He could have never made his way to Jesus. He couldn't see somebody had to bring him. You know, friends, there's going to be people in your life that Jesus wants you to bring them to him. Let me say that again. There's going to be people in and around your life that Jesus is wanting you to bring those people to him. The blind man could have never got to Jesus on his own. He wouldn't have been able to know where he was. He couldn't have found him. Miracles happen, number one, when somebody cares. Number two, be sure you get this, miracles occur in the lives of those who get close to Jesus. I'll say it again so you get it. Miracles occur in the lives of those who get close to Jesus. How close was this man to Jesus? Close enough that Jesus reached out. It said, here's the language, six words, Jesus took the blind man's hand. Jesus, he was so close that Jesus reached out and he took his hand. Can I simply ask you right here, how is it even possible that Jesus could touch your life if you're resisting him? How can Jesus touch your life if you're refusing to get close to him? I want to just say this, if you do not have a real relationship with Jesus, you need one. You may be watching today, and I'm so glad that you are. Maybe you've been uh, checking out, you know, the Bible a little bit more. Maybe you've been praying some prayers. Maybe you've been thinking some thoughts about God, about Jesus, about the scriptures. But you don't have a real relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to keep seeking to keep going after Jesus. The Bible says those who seek him will find him. You, you keep seeking after him. Those who seek, those who knock, the door's going to be open. You ask, uh, you, you just keep asking. You keep seeking. You keep knocking if you don't have a real relationship with Jesus because Jesus wants that even more than you do. 
So secondly, miracles occur in the lives of those who get close to Jesus. Here's a third crucial principle. Be sure you get it. Are you ready for it? Miracles happen when you trust Jesus to lead you. Whatever you're going through right now, trust Jesus to lead you. Can you imagine how vulnerable that this man had to become? I mean, he can't see a thing. He would have never been able to find Jesus had his friends not brought him to Jesus. And uh, they bring him in close proximity to Jesus, which is where you and I always want to hang out in close proximity to Jesus. He gets close enough to Jesus that Jesus reaches out and takes the man's hand. But here's what he's going to do. Now he's going to lead the man. And and that's trust. That takes a step of faith because this guy is trusting that when Jesus takes his hand, he's going to lead him to a place. And this guy has no idea where Jesus is going to lead him to. But that's exactly where you and I want to be. And if there's anybody that you and I can trust to lead us, it is Jesus. Well, some of you have heard me tell this story before. Still humorous to me. Uh, I love I love these three little grandkids that I have. They're growing all the time. They're two and four and six. Kingley's the oldest, and, and uh, our daughter-in-law, Tabitha, has grown up with horses, and they live here in the Lakeland area, and she's always grown up with horses. She loves horses. She rides. She races horses. And so uh, not too long ago, uh, when Brett and Nicole and the kids were down, uh, they wanted to go out and see the horses and ride on the horse. And so uh, we did that. It was a fun time for them. And at one point, as we're getting ready to go, and some of you, again, you've heard me tell this story. Kinley, the oldest, she, uh, she had a little jacket, and uh, I'd been carrying her around. She had been on my shoulders. And she puts this jacket over my head, and I can't see. And so she's still on my shoulders. She puts her jacket over my head. I can't see a thing, but she wants to guide me. And so she says, uh, Paul, Paul, you just walk in the direction that I'll tell you to go. And I'm, I'm a little bit, as you can only imagine, a little skittish at the thought of that because of her mischievousness. And so, but I'm playing along as a Paul, Paul ought to do, and I can't see a thing. She's on my shoulders, and she says, all right, walk this way, this way. She leads me, and then she says these words, all right, straight, 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 go straight now, Paul, Paul. And then there was this unsettled feeling that I had about, okay, she's lining me up for something because she's telling me, and I can't see, to keep walking straight ahead now. And I paused, and thank goodness I did, because she was about to walk me into the biggest, there's no other way to say it, the biggest pile of horse manure you've ever seen. She was going to walk me right through it. I mean, here I was trusting her, but I trusted her to a point. Thank goodness I stopped. Thank you, Jesus, that I stopped in the nick of time. Well, this, this man is so close to Jesus, and he's trusting. He's blind. He can't see. He's vulnerable, but that's a step of faith. There's going to be times in your life and mine when we cannot see where Jesus is leading us, but catch this now, we can trust him to lead us. If there's anybody you can trust to lead your life, it's Jesus. And you may feel like, well, Jeff, I don't even know where he's taking me. I don't see the outcome of how this is going to be. I want to just remind you, if there's anybody you can trust, it is certainly Jesus, and you can trust Jesus. What happens next? Well, an amazing thing happens next. This man's miracle takes a totally strange 
return. Now, I want you to keep in mind, this is not the only time in the scriptures that Jesus has healed a blind person. There are other times when Jesus just be like, hey, be healed. And somebody that was previously uh, blind was instantaneously healed. But this is not one of those occasions. This miracle is very strange. It's unique. But it's also progressive. It's not an instantaneous kind of miracle that Jesus often uh, performed. This is so wild, and I want you to see it. It's, it's just wild. I want you to check this out. Look at this. Only time Jesus ever did it. Then he spit on the man's eyes. Can you imagine that? He spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on the man and asked, can you see now? I once heard my Uncle Ron, he was talking about this. I remember he's a missionary, great missionary. He's probably watching right now. Uncle Ron was actually talking about this particular miracle one time. I remember this from a long time ago. And he said something like this. Well, what if the man could have barely seen and he sees that Jesus is about to spit in his eyes? Well, uh, we don't know that. But the man, uh, you know, it said, he, uh, Jesus asked him, can you see now? The man looked up and said, yes, I see people but they look like trees walking around. He doesn't have completely clear vision yet. Look at the next part, though. Again, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. He spit in the man's eyes. Then he put his hands on the man's eyes. Then the man opened his eyes wide, and they were healed. And he was able, you can read this out loud if you're able, and he was able to see everything clearly. This is a strange miracle, isn't it? It's unique. Jesus never healed anybody like that before. And he healed a lot of people but never like that. Now, you probably have the same question that uh, I have. Why did Jesus spit in the man's eyes? I mean, why? Why would he? Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Are you? Why did he do it? Who knows? Who knows? I have no clue. I don't think anybody can provide a good explanation. It's just what Jesus chose to do in that moment. And Jesus asked the man, can you see now? And the man said, yes, I see people, but they look like trees. I can't see them clearly. How often have you and I said, Jesus, I don't understand. Please help me. Like this guy, please help me to see clearly. Uh, yeah, I can see better than I did, uh, but I still see people. But the people, they're like trees. Uh, my vision is not clear. And maybe there's some things going on in your life right now that you can't see clearly. Maybe you say, you know, I don't understand why my job has ended. I was working hard. I was doing a good job. I thought been with the company for quite some time. Never saw this coming. I was blindsided by it. Why? And you can't see clearly. My job has ended. Or what about this? My health has deteriorated. Or I'm so discouraged. Or my marriage is over. I never thought that I'd be a divorced person, but I'm a divorced person now. Or, or my kids are reckless. They're so rebellious. Or, or he has broken off the relationship that I thought I had some promise to her. She's broken off the relationship. You know, friends, this may not be exactly what you want to hear, but I want to say it nevertheless. I sometimes, and so will you, have questions that we may not have fully answered this side of heaven. Let me say that again. You and I are going to sometimes have questions that are not going to be answered this side of heaven. We, and we have to accept that, that we're not going to understand it until we're in heaven. But here's another thought. Some things you and I are not going to be able to see clearly until we have grown spiritually. 
And that's really important. I don't want us to just rush through that. There's going to be some things in our lives that we're not going to see clearly until we have grown spiritually. We may not yet be mature enough spiritually to see an occurrence in our life from God's perspective. Now, eventually, it says in verse 25, then the man, remember, Jesus spit in his eyes and he said, hey, can you see? The man says, I see people, but they're like trees. But eventually, Jesus touches his eyes and it says, the man says, "Um, I'm able to see everything. He was able to see everything clearly. Now, you may not understand everything that is going on in your life right now, but eventually you will. Eventually you will. Some things you're going to understand in time, and I'll come to that in just a moment as you grow spiritually. Some things, and we just have to accept this reality. It doesn't diminish my faith in God, or it doesn't cause me to question the love of God. I just have this understanding that there's going to be some things that are going to happen in my life that I'm just not going to understand this out of heaven. Now, here's a couple of thoughts from this miracle that I want you to grab hold of, all right? I want you to get this now. Spiritual vision like this miracle, is often progressive. Spiritual vision, like this miracle, is often progressive. If you are growing spiritually, let me say it this way, if you're growing spiritually, then some things that did did not make sense to you, say 10 years ago, now it made sense to you. Why? Because you're growing spiritually. 10 years ago, you couldn't understand it. You're like, but you're growing spiritually. You continue to grow spiritually. It's going to be true in your life 10 years from now. Maybe you've reached a point in your life where you're just growing in your relationship with Jesus. And you're like, you know what? I didn't understand it back then, but now I know. Fill in the blank. Now I know. Now I have a better understanding as to what was occurring in my life, why I went through that. Additionally, I want you to be sure you get this. Additionally, from this passage, from this miracle, we need to realize that how we see other people is an accurate test of our spiritual vision. I don't want you to miss that. How we see other people, how you see people, how I see people is often an accurate test as to what our spiritual vision is like. Now, what do you see when you look at other people? That's a question. What do you see when you look at other people? Maybe you look at other people and you say, you know what I see when I see them? I see a burden. That person is a burden to me. Or maybe, I hope this is not true, but maybe you see some people and you say, I I know what I see there. I see enemies or I see irritations or I see objects. Is that how you see people? I hope not. I don't think it's true of you. Hopefully we see them the way that Jesus sees them. Not as burdens, but as blessings. Not as enemies, but people that are redeemable. Not as people that are irritations, but people that are loved. Not people that are objects, but people that are incredibly valuable. I want you to look at this verse. This is Matthew 9, 36, and it tells us how Jesus sees people. When Jesus saw the crowds, how did he see them? He had compassion on them. When Jesus looked at them, and they, they didn't have their act together. It wasn't like, okay, now they earned the right to see, to be seen with Jesus' compassion. Oh, no. Jesus saw them, warts and all, problems and all, challenges and all, and he had compassion on them. I want to read a statement. David Platt has written this. Good intentions Regular worship and even study of the Bible do not prevent blindness in us. Part of our sinful nature instinctively chooses to see what we want to see and to ignore what we want to ignore. Here's a good prayer for you and for me, probably especially for me. God, please help me to see people, all people, the way that you see them. 
God, help me to see people. Lord, I don't want to see people as a burden. I don't want to see people as irritations. I certainly don't want to see people as enemies. Help me to see people the way that you see people. That's a great prayer that all of us can and should pray. There's some tremendous help for us. By the way, I'll just give you this verse. I'll throw it out. You can write it down. This is Job. This is reaching back into the Old Testament. Job 34, 32 says this, teach me what I cannot see. Teach me what I cannot see. And if I've done wrong, I will not do it again. That's a great verse. Wish we had more time to talk about it. But basically, what is being said here is, what am I not seeing that I need to see? What am I not seeing? What could I be seeing if I was seeing from God's vantage point? If I was looking at this with spiritual eyes, God, help me to see what I'm not seeing. What am I not seeing that I need to see? And what am I seeing wrongly? What needs to stop? And that's when we're looking simply from our perspective. Well, I want to wrap this up because we're about out of time. But early on in Mark chapter 8, the disciples miss it. Remember, Jesus said, you're still not getting it. You've missed it. You can't see clearly. But thankfully, in the latter part of this same chapter, I'm glad to end on a good note. Well, good news. They eventually see things more clearly. They see it. They get it. Their minds are open. It makes sense to them now. And I want you to see these three verses. It's still in the same chapter, but later in Mark. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? Now, I think you know that Jesus already knows the answer because Jesus knows everything. But he asked the people, uh, his disciples, on the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. Look at the next part right here. But what about you? Not about them now. What about you? He asked, what do you think? Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. As we close today, and again, I'm so glad that you've been with us. And I hope you'll come back for part three next week. But when you begin to see Jesus for who Jesus really is, it's going to change your future. It's going to change your life. Your future and your life will take on new meaning. When you see Jesus for who Jesus really is, your life will take on new meaning. Your future takes on new meaning. Just like the blind man, here, Jesus, take my hand. Jesus, I I want you to lead me. Will you just lead me? Jesus, is it really you? Jesus, I can see clearly now. When you see Jesus for who Jesus really is, it will change your life. It will change your future. One other thing, and I'm going to pray. I believe that for some of you, I hope it's for many of you, that today is going to be the day that you're going to receive your miracle. Because if Jesus is really who he claimed to be, if he's who he claimed to be, then Jesus deserves to be loved. And Jesus deserves to be trusted. And Jesus deserves to be obeyed. And Jesus deserves our life. Now, let me just say this. If Jesus is not who he claimed to be, then we can set all of this aside. If Jesus is not who he claimed to be, if he's a phony, if he really wasn't resurrected from the dead, then we can take everything we've talked about and set it to the side. But if he's who he claimed to be, the Son of God, resurrected, proving that He's the Son of God by coming back to life after three days on Easter, then He deserves our life. And I pray that today would be your miracle. 
See, the greatest miracle that could ever occur in a person's life is not to receive sight if a person's been blind. Now, would that be a wonderful miracle? Absolutely. It's not that somebody who um, was sick, that they would be healed. Is that a great miracle? That's an amazing miracle. But the greatest miracle of all is the miracle of salvation, of saying, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Come into my life. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you did rise from the dead. You rose from the dead after three days. And I'm trusting you. And Jesus comes into our life and we're changed. The Bible says this, if we are in Christ, if any person is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone. The new person has come. That's a miracle. The old person we once were is set aside. We lay off the old man. The scripture talks about him. We become a new person in the likeness of Jesus. And if you're not a Christian yet, if you don't have a real relationship with God, you can settle that right here, right now, and just pray with me. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I believe that you are who you claim to be, the Son of God. I believe that you did come back from the dead after being nailed to the cross after three days. I believe you are who you said you are. And I want to receive you into my life right now. Jesus, I put my hand in your hand. Jesus, I'm trusting you to lead me. Jesus, open my closed mind. Jesus, give me clear vision so I see my life and the things around my life and the people in my life, not with my eyes, but with spiritual vision. Help me to do that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you, everybody. I'll see you right back here next week, part three.